This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. BFM 89.9, it's 7.07, Monday 9th of January, and you're listening to The Morning Run with Chong Jansen and Philip C. and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Now, in about 30 minutes, we'll be discussing the economic outlook for China and Hong Kong as it reopens. But let's recap how global markets closed last Friday. For U.S. markets, it staged its first big rally in 2023. The Dow was up 2.1%. The S&P 500, it was up by 2.3%. The Nasdaq was up by 2.6%. In Asian markets, the Nikkei was up by 0.6%. Hang Seng down by 0.3%. Shanghai Composite up by 0.1%. The Straits Times Index, it was down by 0.5%. And the FBM KLCI, it was down marginally by 0.03%. So, to tell us where markets are heading for the next few weeks. We have on the line with us Clifford Bennett, Chief Economist at ACY Securities. Good morning, Clifford. I want to start actually with the jobs report. Uh, some people remarked that it was a Goldilocks moment. Uh, can you help us explain why? Uh, good morning. Thanks very much for having me on your show. Yes, it was a very interesting night, as you've just uh, mentioned, on Friday in New York, all night for us, day for them. And it was a massive rally. Now, I'm just on the job starter, it was 223,000. It was above expectations, but it was well down on the previous number. And this is what got people excited. And that seems to be the trend of late. The daily market sentiment seems to get excited if things aren't, or, or if things are less devastating, if you like, or less troubling. Uh, but nevertheless, it's still a troubling number. This is still a very strong number relative to pre-COVID. It certainly is, and this is the key point, I think. It's nice to see improvement in this number in terms of how the Fed will be seeing the employment pressure, but it's still too strong in the Federal Reserve's book. So whilst it was a good rally on Friday, we also had very damaging economic data coming out on the services sector, where for the first time the services sector went into clear contraction, the IMS services PMI 49.6. And as we know, services make up most of the US economy. So what we actually saw on Friday, but the market didn't want to look at or shied away or thought again that this could mean the Fed will slow rate hikes. Uh, was that the majority of the U.S. economy was already headed into recession in December 2022. Not a great way to start 23. So I think there are a lot of problems still on the horizon. And, and we really didn't break. We just sort of poked our heads above a little bit the range of the last four weeks. And we've seen equally strong down moves. And it's been a real seesaw, difficult environment for short-term mm. traders, to be sure. It's why, it's why, Clifford, you might be revising a U.S. Fed, Fed end rate because it's, your projection is currently at 575 to 65.5%, which is much higher than market consensus. You know, Are you going to revise your forecast then? Actually, no, I'm not because I've been up there for a long time. Remember that dot plot from the Fed? That was at 5.1. Well, that has actually just shifted to 5.4. So if you like, the Federal Reserve is coming towards my forecast. <laughs> so I, I see no reason to change my forecast at the moment. And, and also part of my job is not only to get the forecast right, but to highlight to people the direction where the risk is. And the risk is that the Fed hikes higher than people are pricing in. 
So I think we're going to still see a lot of volatility in the equity market moving forward. I do believe that even slowing to 50 points, we could still see several 50-point rate hikes. The Federal Reserve and Powell himself have said time and time again, they want the economy to slow. They want employment to really weaken a lot before and to really sustainably drive inflation lower. So these numbers are not going to stop the Fed's trajectory at this point, even as much, even though the market wanted to be excited about that idea on Friday. And Clifford, the Fed is set on a more hawkish trajectory compared to the RBA in 2023. How do you foresee the Aussie dollar trading vis-a-vis the greenback this year? Yes, that's very problematic for the Australian dollar. Uh, and I've said all along, every time the RBA hikes by 25 points, it's not a reason to buy the Australian dollar. It's a reason to sell the Australian dollar because for, for the reasons you've just mentioned. On the flip side, there is the risk here, I think, We've seen the euro and sterling and Aussie rally strongly on Friday as well. If they can continue that strength into Monday, Tuesday this week, uh, I think that could be a sign the US dollar is bursting, the US dollar bubble is bursting, and that would be good for the Australian dollar by default. But I think I see less than the smooth upward trajectory that a lot of people are seeing for the Australian dollar at the moment. And if I could just add one more thing on the stock market, In the first week of last year, the US stock market was making new record highs, and I forecast we could have a 20% decline. That could be the highs for the year. I hope we don't get a rerun of this year, but if we do, this week we'll see the highs for the year again. So just be careful that, you know, record highs last year, then down 20% for the rest of the year. So I think people should be a little hopeful, but still careful about their investment portfolios. Okay, I want to uh, maintain, keep the conversation on Australia. And Mm. of course, the China reopening theme, do you think Australia, its economy is one of these beneficiaries because it's so much driven by commodities? Because if you look at Bloomberg, the consensus GDP for Australia is only 1.8%. Yes, I think the China reopening is good for the Australian economy. And I think those GDP expectations are too high. So it's kind of a little bit of a seesaw there Mm. in point of view. Uh, I think the Chinese reopening is very good for the Australian outlook. uh, But will it be enough to really interrupt what is a pattern of global economic slowing at the moment. And I'm not sure it will because most of that global economic slowing is being driven by the United States and Europe and the UK, by the Western economies. It's not being driven really as much as people are saying by the Chinese lockdowns, though they have a big impact. So I think the outlook for the Australian dollar, uh, the waters are still murky given that the global economy will continue to slow through this year. Okay, but what about, you know, the the typical sectors you look at as barometers of how Australia is doing, one of which is the property market? How how is that? Uh, What is the sentiment at the moment? Well, I wish I had cheerier news for your (laughs) listeners, uh, Australian property holdings. It's not looking good at all. I've been speaking to some friends in different parts of the country with real estate uh, businesses, and they're saying they've never seen it this bad. So I think the outlook for the, the Australian property market moving through at least the first half of this year is incredible caution by investors. 
uh, and we will begin to see perhaps forced selling in the second half of the year. Uh, the interest rate hikes by the RBA, though less aggressive than the Fed, are nonetheless very damaging to the property market sentiment outlook here in Australia. And I think buyers are being wary. Sellers are trying to hold off, but if they become forced to sell, there could be a bit of a gap there down lower towards where the bids are. So uh, a very cautious outlook on the Australian property market at this point. All right. Thank you for your time. That was Clifford Bennett, Chief Economist at ACY Securities, ending his conversation warning that the Australian property market, gloomy skies ahead. One would think that Australia would be a beneficiary from China reopening, as what Clifford was saying just now. But I was very struck by what he also said, that when a sovereign central bank raises its interest rates, it's not good for the currency in the case of the Aussie dollar. Yeah, and uh, you know, as they raise rates, right, then even less interest in property because the cost of yes. lending does go up. Uh, what were your takeaways, Jensen? Yeah, my takeaway was really the jobs report because, I mean, it came in above expectations, but it was the lowest monthly increase in two years. So, And the market rallied really strongly. And he did say that they ignored the very poor services data, which showed that a, lo- a big part of the US economy is already in recession as of December of last year. So it looks like the market is really looking at uh, every incremental positive news flow and using that as an excuse to actually rally. It's the same glass, right? It's half full or half empty, yep. depending on your perspective. So at the moment, it's a bit of a risk on. Maybe it's because it's January and you know portfolio managers are re-looking at their asset allocation and they get, hey, equities didn't do very well last year, right? The worst since... Bargains. 20, yeah, 2008. So let's put some money into... Yeah. Uh, the stock market. But Clifford still holds the 57 to 6% Fed fund rate. That's a very... Very high topish yeah, range. When we are looking at a Fed fund rate, current Fed fund rate, if only 4.5%. In fact, this morning, I was listening to some economists only expecting the Fed to increase rates by, you know, two times, 25 bips each mm. time, right, to get to 5. And then they, we're pretty much done there. So if really we get to 57 Oh, markets are not going to like this at all. Not maybe good we're, for the ringgit. Uh, uh, maybe that's also why he's expecting markets to come down by 20% uh, again. Uh, but turning our attention very quickly on a billionaire who is giving up control, that is uh, Jack Ma. He is giving up his controlling rights of N Group as he retreats further from his online empire following China's unprecedented tech crackdown. Yeah, I guess the market is expecting this to pave a way for a potential uh, relisting, but I think because Chinese domestic Asia market requires companies to wait three years after a change in control to list and two years for Shanghai's Nasdaq style star market and one year for Hong Kong, then potentially a listing, a re, a listing may not happen as soon as expected. This three years is, I think, exactly the right time because if you recall about two and a half years ago, he kind of blew up, right, uh, when he kind of made huge complaints against the Chinese regulator for being too uh, restrictive. And as a result of them, they pulled him out from that IP, IPO at the time in quarter four, 2020. Yeah, very last minute. It was, in fact, the fall from grace. And many also accused that incident to have precipitated that whole tech crackdown that the mm. Chinese government has been putting in place. So I wonder with this giving up of control and the time timing of it three years after that whole incident, whether this is really hopefully a, t- a turn back, right? A kind of recovery back for the China tech sector, which has been under so much regulatory pressure. Maybe not for him personally, but for the sector. And in the meantime, he's been spotted in Thailand, uh, and Japan. Japan. <laughs> Japan. Yeah, Come very... to Malaysia for yes. breakfast grill. Living his best life. <laughs> yeah, property here is so cheap. You can buy whatever you want. <laughs>
Uh, but up next, we'll cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CIMB Preferred. Moving forward with you. Visit cimbpreferred.com.my for their preferential services beyond banking. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.